Well, good morning, Promise. This is a little different for me, isn't it? Um, Before I begin today, I quickly want to just say, last week we took up an offering for the Net Church, and I just got word from Rob that what we were able to raise together was $1,960. So that's amazing. Give ourselves a round of applause. Um, I have the wonderful privilege of ending our inspired series today. Um, as, as I was preparing for this message, uh, Rob looked at what I had and said, Devin, this is too much stuff for one sermon. You're going to have to turn it into a sermon series. And so you're going to have to bear with me. There's probably a lot, but um, it's going to act at this point now as a kind of, let's just say a sneak peek at what's at a, a sermon series I'm going to be putting together in February next year. So if it seems like there's a lot, it's because there is. But I'm going to still try my best to keep it clear and and succinct. I'm excited about what I have to share. Before I begin, um, I just want to say thank you for joining us at home. If you want to get engaged with with the message, there's a few ways you can do that. The first is on promisechurch.community. If you go down about halfway through the page, you'll see Sunday's message, which is an area that will have the sermon notes, it'll have the text, and it even has a little area where you can ask questions and send your comments to me anonymously. And the second way is on Slack, and I want to encourage you for a congregation that's already engaged in Slack, feel free to ask questions during the message, share comments of thought-provoking things that I might be talking about. Um, We really want to encourage that engagement with with our messages here at Promise. So I'm going to get into it. I'm going to start just by reading 1 Corinthians. So this message is coming from 1 Corinthians 14, and so let's just read this together. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26 to 33. When you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two, or at most three, and each in turn, and let some interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirit of prophets are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity we have to explore and your, your living, breathing word. God, there's so much content in here that one Sunday is never enough to communicate the incredible things that you're doing in our lives and the incredible glory that you deserve. God, I pray that you would be with us this morning as a church as we engage with what you have to say, and God, we give this service to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, a brief introduction. I'm Pastor Devin. I'm the worship pastor at Promise Church, for those of you who don't know. And I'm really passionate about the corporate worship experience, which is the fancy way of saying Sunday morning service and what we're doing here today. I love it. I'm a huge fan of managing production, leading music, uh, worship expression in the forms of art, like music, art, you know, um, design, all of these things. I love it so much, and I have a great opportunity at Promise Church to kind of exercise all of those passions at once. And my mission at Promise Church, I finally have an opportunity to kind of communicate that to you all from here, is, is this. I hope that Promise Church is a place where we can create an atmosphere on Sunday morning where the we always trumps the me. And, you know, the idea that we come here together as a community, there's no me in what we're doing here. We're here together as a church. And Paul is going to, we're going to be looking at what Paul has to say about that today. And 
as, I, as we work towards that, that idea that the church is a place where we gather, not me, and not I don't gather here, we gather here, there are a few problems that actually get in our way of making this a reality. And it's not just promise, it's most churches right now in general kind of going through this. And here are the two problems. The first is that the seeker-sensitive movement has individualized corporate gatherings. So a tiny bit of brief church history, the seeker-sensitive movement has been a wave of church Uh, I guess strategy at reaching out to newcomers or unbelievers and what's happened is the focus of churches recently has been about getting people in the door making them as comfortable as possible so they can feel like they can engage in a church community in some form the irony is that in doing that everything is about keeping them comfortable and if you're a first-time joiner at a church it's not very comfortable when someone's saying hey why don't you come join us why don't you do this why don't you do that you know, and so churches have now designed their entire liturgy to be something that can be consumed. We see it in excellent production, you know, dark rooms where you can feel alone and safe, you won't be judged, and so that's one of the problems we face. And the second is that COVID-19 has reinforced the idea over the past two years that church actually is something that can be consumed and not engaged with. Churches all over the globe have been forced to get their service online because we haven't been able to gather. And it's just kind of the way it's been. Now, that's not, both of those problems have positives. So I don't want the first thing you take away from this to say that those problems are only bad and nothing positive has come out of any of it because a lot of positive has come out of it. But what we're talking about today and what Paul's going to help us see is that it does present a problem when we're talking about the we trumping the me. So, the first thing, let's, let's jump right into the word here. The first thing Paul says, everyone has something to offer. In verse 26, he says, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Paul says very clearly, when we come to church, we all have something to offer. Everyone can bring something to the table. Paul, the the context of this passage right now is Paul is actually addressing a church that has become too me-focused in Corinth. It's, the church is now becoming this chaotic, unorderly place where people are kind of shouting from the rooftops, look how spiritual I am, you know, I'm speaking in tongues louder than you. And the reason for this is because the church is, we, it's about me at that moment. So he steps in and says, no, listen, there needs to be order to what we're doing. It needs to be order to what we're doing here. And one of the things we need to remember is that everyone has something to offer, so don't talk over each other, don't make it crazy, let's structure what we have to bring here, which is why at Promise we still have a liturgy and we still go through a service in order of certain elements of our service. So that's the first thing I want you guys to take away from this, is that everybody in church, everyone that gathers with us has something to offer on a Sunday morning service. And your participation with God, whether it's through the week, whether it's through something he's saying today to you, is important to those around you. It's a very strange concept that sharing in the middle of a service is something to be encouraged, but how amazing is it when you participate, someone around you is experiencing the same thing, and then one person says, wow, God's saying this to me, and the other person who is too afraid or uncomfortable to speak up says, yeah, well, God's saying that to me too. And in that moment where we bring something to the table, God is validated and the work he's doing is reinforced because it's happening all around us. So when you participate, you're actually breeding and encouraging participation. And we demonstrate that God actually is working when we can vocalize it and say, look what God is doing right now. I wanna give a great, great example. I'm a great example. I wanna give an example of, of when this once really hit me. 
So I think it was about two years ago, I was leading worship in one of our services, and I opened my eyes at one point and saw the entire congregation engaged in what we were singing at the time. And I had a moment where it was very embarrassing, but it was this overwhelming feeling of the presence of God in that room and the sense of community that it was bringing, where everyone was engaged singing together with the same heart for worship. And it was so overwhelming that I blubbered through the rest of that that worship set, I guess. And, And as much as it feels like it was embarrassing, I learned very recently after that, and even a few years later, that that experience validated some people in our congregation about God actually moving. And, and they were able to say, yeah, because, because, Devin, you were able to represent what God was doing, it validated the fact that God was moving, and it was clear that God was moving. And had I suppressed that for the sake of my own comfort and not being embarrassed in front of all of you lovely people, I would have robbed many people at that point in time of a validation of what God was doing. And so that's the next thing I want to kind of bring up, is that individualism has a place on Sunday service, but it's not the focus. So Paul kind of says here in verse 27, if any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, each in turn and let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in church and speak to himself and to God. So sounds like a bit of a weird connection here. But what Paul is saying here is he's taking a gift, speaking in tongues, which is mainly a me-focused spiritual gift. It's one where God, where you're able to communicate to God, but it's something between you and God for the most part. And Paul is saying here, that's only going to be valuable on a Sunday service if someone interprets what God is doing. Again, validating. So where is the individualism? Where is the me? Where does, is there any me in a Sunday morning? Well, there is. And the me is that we have to bring our own authenticity to our gathering. So just like I, ex- I described in the story, my authenticity and the authenticity of many of you when you engage, when you're engaged in worship, when you're bringing discussions to what we're talking about, that is authenticity. You're bringing your own baggage. You're bringing you to a Sunday gathering. And that is encouraged. Without that, we are just pretending and putting on faces of who we are and what's going on. And that doesn't honor God in any way. And so that's what Paul's saying here is we can, there's a place for that individualism, but it is not in the things we do. The things we do are benefiting those around us. And so the next thing he says, when God works, he is consistent. We've heard this a few times, but it's, it's very true. So let's read in 29 and 33 here. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and all be encouraged. And the spirit of prophet are subject to prophets, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. So what Paul's saying, again, is when he's moving, when God is moving, he's consistent, which is why when we share what's going on, it usually resonates with those around us. And it's important that we share what God's doing because he is consistent. You know, a good example of how we engage with this promised church is in our messages. We love to have questions and comments during our message. And it's, it's a great opportunity for us to ask questions. And the idea, you know, I, I'm sure it's a long time ago for some of you and not so long for a few of you. But, you know, in grade school, when you would have a question but you were too scared to answer, and there was always, there was always at least one person that said to you in your life, if you're too scared to answer or to ask the question, it's likely someone else is probably also too scared. So just ask the question, and everyone will be happy. That's a great example here. And so when we go through messages, when we share testimony during our spiritual disciplines and our practices, then 
we get that opportunity again to validate what God is doing and to challenge each other, not for pride, not for look how spiritual I am, like Paul's addressing, but to encourage each other. Wow, God is doing that in your life. That's amazing. He's doing this in my life. Let's celebrate how good God is. And when we do that, not only do we build each other up, but we actually bring more glory to God, and we get to celebrate. It's so exciting when we talk about the things we're doing, like these community barbecues, and and all of us feel that excitement when things are happening around us. And sometimes it feels like on a Sunday morning, we kind of come in and we kind of stop that for a moment to kind of consume what's being presented. And then when we go, we, you know, we have a break and we talk. And, but that kind of engagement, we want to encourage throughout our whole service. And Paul's really making that clear here that the gathering, that's its whole point. We gather so that we can be together and the me will, or the we will always trump the me. So one of the things I observed while I was reading this was of course, all the things I just mentioned, but also this. Paul makes a very clear image where the church gathering is community-directed. There's nothing in here that Paul says that says worship and service has to be done this way. Do this first, do this first, and do this first. All he, the direction he gives is make sure there's order to it, and there has to be order promised because God is an orderly being. God creates order. God is order. He's not chaotic. That's what Paul says here. God is God of, not a God of confusion, but of peace. And so when we have structure in what we're doing, and we have an order in the way we build each other up, God is still honored, and he's still represented that way. Otherwise, it just becomes chaos, and no one can follow. No one has an opportunity to be authentic and share, well, here's what God's doing. If someone's speaking over them or someone's unwilling to listen, that's very discouraging, and it's not a place of encouragement at all. And so that's what I want to see at Promise. I want to see a liturgy where the community is directing. And there are a few ways that we do that, and I actually want to just kind of encourage you all by showing you how that's possible. So everything at Promise Church is designed in a way that allows or maximizes not only the way God's can, God can speak, so we give different areas, discussion, worship, the word, all of these things, but also to have you guys engaged. Every element of what we do requires your engagement. And you know, if I'm, if I'm up here leading worship and no one's singing along, I'm just performing for you. If Danielle is doing Lectio Divina and she's reading the Bible and doesn't encourage discussion, she's just reading the Bible. And if Amy comes up here with no kids, then she's just entertaining us for being, you know, the best part of the service. She's entertaining us, but that's all she's doing then. And if Rob's preaching and doesn't encourage discussion, there are so many opportunities that we rob each other of of being able to clarify or get information on what he's saying. And, and, and that's, that's opportunity lost. And so at its core, Promise Church exists for the building of community. And that's the last point here that I want to make, is that your engagement is crucial to the success of our community and to the health of our community. So the last message series we went through was mission and rest. And one of the messages that came out of that was that Sunday morning is a place of rest. Rest has a very... There's a fine line we can walk on rest, and I think we went there a bit with Rob in one of our discussions during the message, but we have a very, we, we have a tendency sometimes to allow rest to mean apathy, which means we just don't do anything. We're just, well, I'm, re I'm resting, I don't need to do anything. And that is not what I see Paul sharing here. What I see Paul doing here is that the rest comes from the building of the community. We're able to rest because our community is building itself and we're encouraging each other, and that's the rest we find. But in that rest, we're still finding a purpose. 
and rest itself, if rest itself is going to serve a purpose, preparing us for mission and what God is doing, then we have to understand that the rest here on Sunday morning also has its purpose, and that's to build each other up. And the seeker-sensitive church has discouraged this type of response and this engagement for quite a while, and it's been, it's been a challenge for many churches. And so I'm saying that because the reality is it actually is uncomfortable. And so I want you all to know that, that engagement right now is uncomfortable. And it's something we have to push through as a church, and it's something we have to push through as a leadership team, because we're fighting years of church history now. We're, the, the, the past few years have been about making you comfortable here. And any idea, I'm sure some of you are kind of going, oh, you know, I don't like engaging. This is the place I come to just say hi to a few people and then I leave. But we don't want that at Promise, for lack of a better way to put it. We want people to be engaged and we want the community to direct what we're doing. I dare say that every part of our service will take a back seat if the community is engaged in an incredible way. You see it during worship, you see it during Lectio. There are sometimes Lectio goes for 20 minutes of our service. Sometimes worship leads us into another song because when you guys are engaged, you're directing us as leaders and we say, okay, the community's here, then we're going for it. And it validates that God is doing something right now. And the only way we will know that, the only way you will know that is if you're engaged, and if you're expressing to us and expressing to God, hey, I'm here for the building of community, so let's build community. And so we'll rest in those moments, and those are, those are some of the most successful and impacting moments of our service, is when people come out of those moments and say, wow, God was doing something amazing during Lectio, and he said this to me, and he said this to me. And when we share that, those around us are encouraged and inspired, and it's just such an amazing thing. So someone says, my biggest problem of me versus we is that ugly me is so big and strong and active and self-seeking, who will set me free? Christ Jesus already has. I must decrease while he and we increase. Corporate worship is awesome. That's a great way to put it. You know, we, we're talking about bringing our authenticity. Paul makes that clear. Authenticity is important, and we don't have anything to share with each other if we're not being authentic. And so that's a great comment. So here's another one. Isn't this something of a paradox, that the we of the church is only possible insofar as I bring my full authentic me to my liturgical expression? Shouldn't it be more linked to something of an overcoming, emptying removal of the self? And I, I agree. When you come to church, there's a way, there's a point in which you, you are coming to church to be authentic and to put yourself aside. One of the things about what we do on Sunday morning is that everything we do here, except for the engagement part, can be done on your own at home. And you can read the Bible at home, you can study the Bible on your own, you can sing worship songs to music on the radio on your own. So something about Sunday has to be different. And that's what is different, is the engagement that it requires is the only way we're going to see any benefit from resting here together. And it is a bit of a paradox that Church is only possible when we bring the full, authentic me to the expression. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot there that kind of has to be impacted. I'm not sure I can do it justice right now. When we participate in doing as the body, we grow not only ourselves, but also impact those around us. 100%. That is, that is the whole point. When we're actually engaged, we celebrate with those around us, we build with those around us. 
So here's a really good one too. Why does God need us to affirm what he is doing? Shouldn't his actions already be self-evident and memorable on their own? Many times they are, but there's a lot of questions. As a pastor, you hear the question a lot, well, what if I'm engaged, what if, what if I'm praying, what if I'm reading the Bible and God's not speaking to me? And although God has an incredibly powerful way of moving, sometimes, sometimes it's earth-shattering, like this example in worship where I bawled my eyes out. It can be that dramatic. But the thing is, is that why doesn't God make, why is it not self-affirming? Well, it's because God wants us to be in community. And so he gives us incentive and opportunity to be in community. So nothing we do here is without community. You have to be a part of community to really truly see what God is doing. And you can definitely make the case that what God does should be self-affirming in certain areas, but how much more is it affirmed when someone around you comes up to you randomly and says, God's doing this in my life, and you're like, wow, God's doing the same thing in my life. And then at that moment, more glory is pointed to God, because now as a community, we've pointed what's happening to God even more. And so that's a great question, and it's a, it's a good thought. It seems like that is most of it. So Thomas, I just want to kind of bring it full circle here for a moment. The church gathering is only valuable when we engage. And when you engage, promised church on a Sunday morning is successful. And so without the engagement of you guys in everything we do, it can be done on your own, like I just said. You can do everything here on your own at home. And so we have to understand that being here is different. And again, there's another element of church tradition kind of taking over. Well, we meet on Sundays always, so it becomes routine. We get used to it. The only reason we meet on Sundays every week is because it's convenient for people. It's a convenient time to engage. But church happens so much more outside of Sunday morning because we're trying to make that distinction in staff right now between calling what we're doing right now church versus the people church. And we know the difference, but our language is so corrupted already that this is church right now. Sunday morning is church. And that language is already kind of showing we don't fully understand that the church is you guys engaged in community. And Sunday morning should be the pinnacle of what engaged in community looks like when we unite with each other and we build each other up. And so outside of that, we're just, you know, we can do all of this stuff on our own. And so we have to make sure we recognize the difference. So Promise Church service does not exist for you as an individual. The thing is, sometimes we come to church and we have things that we have baggage, and sometimes we don't want to engage because we're going through a lot. And that's okay. But if everyone in the community is engaged in community, then you will be built up when you don't want to engage because the people around you will recognize that you're not engaged. And when everyone is engaged except for one person, then a congregation of people, just think about that for a second, a whole community of people can wrap around that person and say, why aren't you engaged? What's going on? What is God doing? What's, what's challenging you right now? And in that moment, we experience more growth and more glory is directed to God. So in rest, we still find our purpose. And in Sunday morning, the we is always going to trump the me. So I promise I'm going to close in prayer this morning if you'll join me. God, we thank you so much for all that you do here at Promise. Lord, we have so many people here that their heart is on community and engagement, God. People want to be with people, and we know that because that's how we were designed, Lord. And God, on Sunday morning, we're overcoming a lot of barriers that make us uncomfortable, but God, I pray over Promise Church right now, God, and I pray that we are a church that when an unbeliever walks in, there is no doubt in their mind that God is moving powerfully because we're a community that engages with what you're doing. 
God, I pray that everyone that reaches out or comes in on a Sunday morning that feels broken, that's wounded, God, that they would be healed by you and your power through community. God, I thank you that you give us opportunity to be together. You've designed us in a way that we are required to experience you and to be with you. And God, you yourself are a God of community. You're three in one. You don't exist on your own either. And there's no better representation of why community is at the forefront of everything you do, God. God, we thank you. We ask that you would bless the rest of our day and our weekend. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much, Promise, for listening. Um, next week is our forum. I hope you'll engage with that, and you'll, we hope to see you there. Thank you for joining us at home, and we'll see you next week.